Welcome to the Cover 2 Resources podcast series, a podcast series about addiction and addiction education. Our mission is to arm others with the knowledge needed to best support a loved one struggling with opioid addiction. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and via RSS feed. Simply search for the full name, Cover 2 Resources, on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources. There are believed to be between 35 and 50,000 active online drug sellers in operation today. Often, these companies sell medicine without requiring a doctor's evaluation. 97% of online drug sellers worldwide do not comply with applicable laws and standards put in place to protect the patients. According to the World Health Organization, 50% of prescription medicines sold online by websites that hide their physical address are counterfeit. Patients have been harmed and in some cases killed by unsafe medicines purchased from illegitimate sources on the Internet. So this is a real problem. Given the state of online pharmacies, how can you buy medicine online and avoid the risk of purchasing bad products from bad actors? Joining me today to answer those questions and more is Marjorie Clifton, the Executive Director for the Center for Safe Internet Pharmacies. So, Marjorie, I'd like to welcome you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You know, you've studied illicit online pharmacy and that whole industry very closely. So, let's start off with what do people need to know about the industry? Well, I think what people need to know is there are safe ways to buy prescription drugs online. And obviously, we've all become very accustomed to and comfortable with the idea of buying almost anything in our house, be it groceries or clothes. And then so the natural next step would be buying prescription drugs. And so we understand for a lot of people, especially in rural communities and uh, in outlying locations, the convenience of it is great. But what consumers need to know is that not all online pharmacies are the same. And so in today's world, we have to be very careful about making sure that we're buying from safe sources when we do go uh, buy prescription medications online. So it's all about just having good information and the right tools to make sure you're safe. So why is it so risky to buy those prescription medications online? Well, so unfortunately, there are counterfeiters and there are criminals in the world, and they realize that the Internet has become a really interesting place for them to try to dupe consumers into all different kinds of scams. And we read about these things in the news all the time, but um, in particular, you may have even encountered them getting emails from you know, a Nigerian prince asking you for $50,000 to, to, to get off an island or something crazy. But I think we've um, all gotten that the, one. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But the, the online pharmacy space, um, one of the reasons that counterfeiters migrated to this space is because it's really lucrative. Prescription medications are expensive. People spend a lot of money on them. And um, in some cases, we've heard that online counterfeiters are making up to a million dollars a day on one single website selling fake prescriptions to people. And what those look like are very sophisticated uh, packaging and medications that honestly even researchers sometimes who study and, and, and prescription uh, drug companies, when they get these counterfeit medicines, have to chemically test them to even know that they're fake because they look that real. Um, and so what they've started doing is targeting consumers in this space by mimicking legitimate pharmacies. And so what you'll see are things that tell us as consumers that they're safe. We'll see familiar credit card logos. We'll see an FDA seal even on those websites. And they'll be selling medications at a discount, discounted price. 
And I think one thing that all consumers know right now in this current healthcare environment is that prescription drugs have become very expensive and in some cases um, prohibitively so. So people are willing to take risks where they wouldn't before. And the counterfeiters, again, have gotten so sophisticated in understanding what consumers will trust or not that they have found that a 44% discount is the sweet spot. So they'll typically show a lot lower price than you might see in the retailers. Um, and consumers will believe that, oh, they're getting a great deal. You know, I like to talk about this in the way that as consumers, as Americans, we have become accustomed to the idea that getting a good deal means that we're a smart consumer. And, you know, even somebody buying a luxury car prides themselves on, you know, getting a Lexus at a, at a good price, at a good discount. So um, I think that's what they're in some ways taking advantage of because uh, we feel like we're smart when we found a price that, that might be too good to be true, unfortunately. So that's what we're trying to, to address and helping consumers understand. Next, we talk about a website to verify your online pharmacy is legitimate before you place your first order. We have a tool that we've made available to the public called verifybeforeyoubuy.org, where you can go and actually put in the URL of the website you're looking to buy from, and it'll immediately tell you if it's safe or not. And this is being checked by law enforcement and other experts in the field who are able to test whether and know whether that pharmacy is a safe source. I ask Marjorie, who buys from these sites? When we've done research, the, the average age of consumers who are buying online uh, run from about 45 to 65 years old. Um, we know that they actually typically have a prescription, they have health insurance, um, and they actually have a pretty high education level and high income. So these are consumers that are gen, you know, accustomed to buying online and just think, you know, that they're all sites might be safe. And so it's, it's a very, frankly, innocent consumer, which is why we want to make sure, again, that people are empowered with knowledge and know what they're buying when they're buying it. So I want to read this stat again. 97% of online drug sellers worldwide do not comply with applicable laws and standards. So, you know, when you go online and you just look for an online pharmacy randomly, chances are it's not going to be a legitimate pharmacy. No, and, and, and which is what makes it so tricky. And this is, I guess, the, the good and the bad of having a global Internet um, is that the Internet's big and broad. And so there are a lot of different entry points for a lot of different vendors. And, um, you know, in the U.S., the way our laws work is that you actually have to have a retail store that accompanies anyone selling online. So you can't be just a completely virtual uh, pharmacy. And the other thing is that you have to be licensed into every state that you are selling into. So you can't sell across state lines unless you've been licensed to do that. And, you know, those measures are in place to make sure that things like the temperature in which drugs are stored are safe and to make sure that they're coming from safe sources, the expiration dates are safe. So those are all put in place by our FDA and the National Association of Boards of Pharmacy to keep us healthy. Um, But what we have seen is, again, this proliferation of counterfeiters, and it's because there's a lot of money to be made in this space, and, and more and more consumers are trusting the Internet to buy everything in their house, including their prescription drugs. Um, so again, this is where making sure people have the tools to be able to find a safe pharmacy is important. I'll give you one other story on that point, because I actually come from a family of physicians. I have a brother who's an oncologist and a sister-in-law who's an oncologist and a father who is a neurosurgeon and mom who's a PT, physical therapist. And um, when I started this work, my dad calls me one day and he says, hey, so you work on this on- online pharmacy thing. I was looking to get my heart statin that I take 
and I found these really great price, prices online. And I said, Dad, okay, before you buy from any of these sites, please go and use this tool. Well, he calls me back about two hours later and says, I put in 250 different websites, and they all had great prices on them. Every one of them was illegitimate. And I said, this is exactly the problem I'm trying to describe. It's that the prices that they are purporting to be real are not. And so we have to be really careful. And, and the thing that is concerning, and again, a, a big part of the work we're trying to do is help educate doctors and healthcare providers, because what we've learned is that they are as unaware of this challenge as our consumers. And so, you know, in North Carolina, we've been working with the Association of Family Physicians, and now we've got 4,000 physicians who are helping, you know, share this information with their patients in their doctor's offices because they're a very trusted voice when it comes to these things. So, you know, it isn't, it isn't us being ignorant, it's us being human, um, and really this is just an awareness gap that we have to address. These companies make so much money every single day. It's just unbelievably profitable. So they're able to put a lot of money into their ads, uh, both uh, on uh, Google as well as social media posts. And you've been pretty aggressive, your organization has, in shutting them down. I understand that you've shut down 117 million ads and social media posts and thousands of profitable websites. So tell us about that, how that's been possible. That's tremendous. Yes, that was just last year, if you can believe it. So, I mean, in one year, 117 million ads removed. So the way our coalition actually came to be was with a lot of internet service providers and payment providers, companies like uh, American Express and uh, MasterCard, as well as Google and Yahoo and Facebook. And um, we, they, all of these companies uh, came together because, honestly, they weren't in a position to make money on this topic, but they were concerned about consumer safety because they're very much in the online space. So they're not prescription drug companies, they're not anyone selling medicines, but they were basically a platform where, you know, some kind of online transaction was happening. And more and more, they were learning about uh, the kinds of risk that was happening to consumers, and, and again, wanting to make sure people had the right tools when they were shopping online. So in 2011, all these companies came together, actually, uh, with the White House. And the organization was actually modeled after NICMIC, which is the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which had been a very effective coalition in shutting down child pornography online. And so the goal was, how can we get good information to consumers, but also how can we be good corporate citizens, making sure that our platforms are keeping consumers safe in every way we can. And it's been very effective because when you think about it, when you have all of the major payment providers prohibiting transactions like this on their platforms. When you have every major online advertiser, so Facebook, Google, Microsoft, Yahoo, um, all shutting down any ads that attempt to appear on their platform. Um, and when you have shippers like UPS scanning packages, making sure that there are not illicit medicines coming through their channels, you're able to stop a lot, which is great. And so what we're seeing is a lot of these um, pharmacies moving to alternative platforms or alternative payment methods. But at the same time, it's almost impossible to shut it all down because the websites are coming from a very, very broad market of registries and registrars. And those are the people like, you know, GoDaddy who's been on our board and others that supply websites to people when they want to set up a business online. And while we have had all the major uh, registries and registrars on our board, there's still thousands and thousands of other sellers all over the world 
who will who can sell another channel. So it's in some ways a game of whack-a-mole where you have to spend a lot of energy taking down and then tracking in a regular basis. But um, you know, all all of the companies on our board have a zero tolerance policy for illegal activity on their platforms, and this falls in that category. So that's where we've been trying to be as collaborative and um, and focused on working with global law enforcement and other agencies to find ways to get to some of these core criminal networks, shutting down their activities and helping have sting operations that get to the centers of these criminal networks, who typically, by the way, are selling a lot of other counterfeit goods online, not just drugs, uh, and are involved in some pretty nefarious activities. So it's been a really amazing process to be part of that and see it in a collaborative way. Um, and, and I think the impacts and the numbers that we see every year only get higher, which means we're all the more effective. Does this collaborative effort also extend to the dark web, Marjorie? So that's, so we actually ran a report on the dark web this year because it was interesting in all the different circles we were in. We kept hearing about the dark web and the open web kind of talked about in the same way, but there were some really important differences. And we, we kind of joked that even though we were all internet companies, none of us really knew what the dark web was. And it is something very, very different than the open web, which is what most of us know and, and use. So the dark web is a really unique, creepy space, frankly. It, um, in order to access the dark web, you have to have specialized software even to get on it. Um, you have to be using alternative payment methods like cryptocurrency. Um, Bitcoin and that's things or like whatever. Bitcoin, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... The other thing is if you're on the dark web, you are there knowing you're trying to be off the grid and engage in nefarious sales. Um, it's almost guaranteed anything you buy on there is, is being sold uh, illegally. And so it is not honestly where the, the crux of this issue is, but it is becoming a source for um, successful drug sales on things like opioids that are feeding you know, an epidemic right now. We do know that there have been successful transactions there. But, um, but the, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of control over the dark web because it isn't accessed through mainstream providers like our um, drug seller, I'm mean, sorry, like our credit card companies or our advertisers or your typical legitimate channels. Next, Marjorie talks about the risks associated with purchasing from unverified online pharmacies. Consumers that we're talking to are looking for good information. They care about their family's health and safety, and they care about um, things like identity theft, because one of the other things we've learned about a lot of these illegitimate sellers is that in some cases, they're not even going to send you something in the mail. They're there to steal your credit card and your identity, and that's a huge risk that you run in going through some of these rogue sources. Sure. So one of the things that surprised me of a recent survey was that 22% said they received their drugs from their doctors. So most of the people that, and and this is a survey of people that admitted to abusing prescription pain relievers. So, Mm -hmm. you know, most of the people get addicted to pain pills that were received by other means. And I think that that underscores the importance of locking up prescription medication, doesn't it? Your, Your group addresses that as well. Yes. Well, I mean, I will say that with our DEA, we have, there's been a very effective effort that happened well before the opioid epidemic as we know it kind of came to light. Uh, Online sales of opioids has not been a big challenge, but when the opioid crisis sort of came to light a year and a half ago in a very profound way, um, we expanded our consumer education uh, efforts to be able to partner with 
a lot of uh, groups like the Partnership for Drug-Free Kids to be able to provide resources um, for families. And the goal there was guides to talking to your children about safe use of medication. Um, they have free resources for families who are experiencing addiction with someone in their family and things like that. Um, but what we've learned both through SAMHSA, which is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, it's a mouthful, um, SAMHSA and the DEA research, is where opioids come from are typically prescriptions that someone's received themselves or from a prescription of a friend or family member. And so um, and, and, you know, that, that is actually well over 95% of where opioids are coming from. And then others include you know, being sold in back alleys and on streets. But what I think a lot of the agencies have been focused on is really clamping down on prescriptions, first of all, and then the efforts that we're engaging in are making sure things like families clean out their medicine cabinets. Um, because I know just in my family, my husband had had surgery, and uh, there was a DEA drop day every year where they encourage consumers to clean out your medicine cabinet of any of these prescription pain relievers and take them to their safe disposal sites. Because with opioids, you don't want to ever flush them down the toilet because it puts them into our water system or just drop them in the trash can in your house because they can be, you know, retrieved by others. And so the safest way to get rid of them is to take them to these DEA drop sites. So Google, um, one of our partners actually created a Google Maps tool for consumers to locate the closest drop site, and it was a big effort we engaged in. So I went into my own household medicine cabinet, and we have three teenagers in our house. And sure enough, I found 138 Oxycontin pills in our own medicine cabinet. And I couldn't even believe it because I'm work doing this work by the day. And, um, and it just speaks to the amount of prescribing and over-prescribing that we've seen. And every time you've got a wisdom teeth removal or some kind of basic surgery, it became very routine for people to be prescribed these opioids. And it's feeding, unfortunately, now. Um, an epidemic that's already started, an addiction epidemic. And so, that, so getting rid of them is one of the key things we need to be doing. Next, Marjorie and I talk about MedicineSafe.org, the new website that they launched in May. Yes, yeah, so we launched MedicineSafe in May, and we did that in partnership with the Partnership for Drug-Free Kids. And then we also um, have been doing this in partnership with states that have come on board and said, we'd really like to bring this to people in our community. So states like Connecticut, in North Carolina, and actually will launch next year in Kansas. Um, and the goal is to give families all the tools and resources they need to deal with safe use of prescription drugs, and tools also for families that, God forbid, are already dealing with addiction. And so um, these are things like conversation guides for, for how to talk to your teens about prescription drug abuse. The reason that, by the way, is a really important component is that nine out of 10 people experiencing addiction started in their teenage years. So that's a really key time for us to talk to our kids and help our families understand about addiction. Um, the other thing that we have on there is free resources for families to be able to talk to um, other families or to counselors to get guidance on how to help family members that are experiencing addiction. Um, so there's a whole suite of different things that you can get as well as obviously the Verify Before You Buy tools. We also have a, a site called saveonmymeds.org, which is actually provides coupons and discounting for prescription, drug, um, prescription drugs that families are buying. So the whole goal is to have a really safe space, all the best experts, all in one place for anything related to prescription drug safety in a household. 
So, and I, I think another one of those resources, you, you reeled off quite a number of them, and it, it's <laughs> just uh, so rich as far as the tools are concerned. I love the site. and um, But recognizing the signs of prescription and illicit mm. drug misuse and abuse. Yes, and I think that's something that every family needs to see and recognize because, you know, every family I've talked to who is living this said, I never thought it would be my kid. I just didn't even think it was possible. And, you know, unfortunately, I lost my brother to addiction two years ago uh, on July 31st and at 32 years old. And I will tell you, you never think it could be your family member. Everyone thinks they're immune. And so being able to take a really honest look and really see what could be is an important first step. And then having people to talk through. I think one thing families need to understand is that addiction impacts, it's a family disease. It impacts the family. And um, it, it is different in every family. It doesn't play out the same way, though there are certain truths that are universal. And there's a lot of comfort that comes from understanding other people's experience and getting guidance on how to address it and knowing how to help that person that you love. And you offer many of those resources there because when you find out that your loved one is addicted to heroin or opioids or whatever, you're thrust into crisis and you really don't know where to turn. And there are many unreliable sources on the internet that are waiting to pounce and to exploit that crisis mode. Um, So navigating those options and being able to find vetted resources, can you speak to that for a little bit? Because I, I, I think you've done a great job of that as well. Oh my gosh, this again goes back to the whole idea that counterfeiters will find any way to get to vulnerable consumers, and it's somewhat maddening. So even in the addiction support services, there has been an outbreak of illegitimate uh, and, and frankly, um, I don't say they're counterfeiters, but fake sites and fake resources that have been trying to peddle their, their wares to consumers who are in crisis mode dealing with opioid addiction. And um, actually, our partners on the board, Google and Facebook, um, jumped on board to be helpful and started shutting down any ads that were related to addiction resources because they realized there was this huge number of fake ones that were coming up and that were not, that were, that were preying on innocent consumers. And instead of helped redirect consumers to the Partnership for Drug-Free Kids, and they've helped um, support them in beefing up their hotlines and their support services so that we know consumers are getting legitimate channels um, for addiction support. So you're exactly right. Not all resources are the same. And this is, again, where we've tried to make our work very coalition-based. And we know that not one single group or one single organization can solve any of these things, that we need to bring all the best and the brightest. You know, Partnership with Drug-Free Kids has been working with families on addiction for 35 years. Um, and they're, they're, you know, if, if you remember, if you're a child of the eighties, you know, this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs, any questions, that was the partnership. So they, they've studied this space for a very long time. And their whole thing is about one of the only sources that provides re- free resources. And in addition, they help navigate and it's different for every family. There's no one, uh, one, one fit for every family that calls in. When you're thrust into crisis, another issue that's very difficult for families to get their, their arms around is understanding insurance companies and what's covered and what isn't covered and some of the possibilities there. And sometimes, really, that information is very difficult to even pull out of the insurance companies. But your your organization helps with that as well, don't you? There are some of those resources on the site, for sure. And I think that's a lot of where, again, the partnership is very, very helpful. 
um, our Save on My Meds tool will also help consumers figure out the best cost way of getting a prescription. So unfortunately, in this current environment, there are cases where using your insurance is actually not the least expensive way to buy a medicine. Sometimes there are coupons or other um, supplier discounts that are available where if you choose to not use your insurance, you can actually find a better rate um, going through those channels. So those are some of the alternatives that we're trying to offer. Again, hoping to help solve the problems where we can. Um, you know, again, we can't solve drug prices right now. I wish we had the silver bullet for that, and that's where we have to rely on our, our lawmakers, God help us, to do something about that. But in the meantime, what we're trying to do is just really help people find the tools they need. Uh, and again, you know, cost being a, a huge burden to a lot of families. I asked Marjorie how a community or coalition would go about engaging her group. Well, just call us. Um, <laughs> we uh, The way we've been working is in partnership typically with, uh, a, a, it's in North Carolina, it was the Secretary of State. Uh, in Connecticut, it's been the Attorney General. In uh, Kansas, it'll be the Attorney General's office. But we are candidly trying to create uh, not barriers, but opportunities for anyone to jump on board. And so um, the way we've done that is that we provide advertising, free advertising that's coming from all of the board members that we have. Um, they've been providing a million dollars a year worth of free advertising to target consumers and get a good information to them. Uh, we've been producing videos with YouTube. Uh, and so all the campaign tools come and we customize it by the state, which means that in every state we're working, we create a state coalition. And typically what that looks like are community organizations that are relevant and working with consumers in a lot of different spaces. So organizations like AARP have been really great partners for us. Um, the Council of Churches, the Chamber of Commerce, all of these familiar groups by state. Uh, and so we provide them with tools so that they have got state branded uh, posters and push cards and resources that they can give to their membership. So again, typically it's originated within either the state government or some kind of state leadership organization. Uh, but we are happy and willing to work with any state in any fashion that makes sense. We want to make it work, not make it not work. <laughs> Marjorie, I want to thank you for your time today. What, uh, what would you like people to take away from this podcast? I think that the key thing I want families to understand is that in the current environment, prescription drug safety is precarious. It's not easy. And so having trusted and having safe sources matters. Um, you can't be too cautious. Uh, the way that prescription drugs play in families, both in this op opioid epidemic, but also in terms of cost, uh, can lead families to undue risk or undue, you know, liabilities. And our focus is keeping families healthy and happy and safe and getting good tools to them. And I just encourage them to access our website, um, whether it's being proactive to make sure that your family is safe and that you're having the right conversations with your kids or if it's making sure that you're buying the prescriptions that you need to for your own parents or your own families um, from safe sources. Uh, you can use verifybeforeyoubuy.org. Medicinesafe.org will also get you to all of those same tools. But uh, don't hesitate to reach out to us if there's any questions or anything we can do to be helpful. We've been joined today by Marjorie Clifton, the Executive Director of the Center for Safe Internet Pharmacies, who introduced us to Medicine Safe a new coalition of local community organizations, the state governments of Connecticut and North Carolina, and national partners invested in providing safe tools and information about prescribing drugs, including 
verifybeforeyoubuy.org, a website to verify your online pharmacy is legitimate before you order. My name is Greg McNeil. I'm the founder of Cover 2 Resources. Thank you for joining us for this Cover 2 PPT podcast. That's people, places, and things making a difference in the opioid epidemic. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cover 2 Resources podcast. This episode is a production of Cover 2 Resources and is made possible by listeners like you. If you'd like to donate or to sponsor a future podcast, please visit cover2.org. As always, thank you for listening. Together, we can make a difference in the opioid epidemic, one life at a time.